Okay, so we are learning how to become new wineskins so that Jesus can pour the new wine into us. Because he said that if we do not become a new wineskin and he tries to pour the new wine into us, that our wineskins will burst and perish. And they will be destroyed and the new wine, you won't be able to contain it. It'll move on. And so the new wine is the symbol of the move of the Holy Spirit. It is the symbol of the blood of Jesus. And it is the symbol of joy. New wine in the Bible, one of its uh, symbols is great joy. So what the Lord said to us this year when we were on our sabbatical, he said, I'm doing a new thing. The former things have passed away. It is a new season. So we came back here in September preparing for God to pour new wines into our new wineskins. God is doing a new thing. COVID changed the world. It changed everything about the world. And rather than just us whine and complain about it, I want to jump on the bandwagon of the new wine that's going to do something about it. We're going to, the Lord is going to use the church. See, the whole purpose of COVID was to kill the church, stomp out the church. And it did kill a lot of churches. A lot of churches did not recover from COVID. But, you know, not only did we recover, we came back stronger, better. The last Sunday that we met in our sanctuary was November the 15th. 2000, was it 19 or 20? Was it 2019? 20. That's what I was thinking, 20. And we had 257 people. You know how many we had Sunday? 400. And almost 450. I don't remember the exact number, but almost 450. And so not only did we come back, we came back stronger than we left. And I believe that the new wine that the Lord is fixing to pour into this church and the Pine Bluff Church and the, hey, I hope you're saved, and the Pine Bluff Church and the El Dorado Church and the uh, uh, for, uh, uh, Orange Beach Church. and the Hey, did you know there was two people here from the Monroe Church? When Cricket was up on the stage having you turn on your light and wave it, uh, he didn't realize it at the time, but they went back and watched the video. And when he said Monroe Church, there were two lights up in the balcony waving. So there was two people here from Victory Monroe. Isn't that awesome? And that church has only met one time. They've only met one time because of COVID. They could not go back and meet again. They're, they're fixing to start again. They meet, they meet once a month. Their first Sunday, they had 130 people. And how many got saved out of that 130? How many of them got saved? You remember? 35? But anyway, it was, that church was birthed in one day. And so we're just so excited about what God is doing. We're just so excited. And so this new move of God... I got my clock set tonight, and I left it over there in my purse so I'd know what time to quit. (laughs) Uh, What we're doing is we are studying how to become the new wine skin for the Holy Spirit to pour the new wine in so so that it won't burst. Remember the old wine skin? They didn't want the new wine. They said the old is better. 
And they didn't want to change anything. They didn't want Jesus to teach them anything new. They didn't want anything changed. They want everything to stay like it was. And they perished. And they would not receive the new wine. But we are not those people, are we? Absolutely not. It's so good to have Stephen back from uh, Egypt. They sent me a picture. Uh, he was going. He was fixing to go up on Mount Sinai. The group he was with. It was a. It was at night, and they were fixing to go up on Mount Sinai. And uh, I, I said, "Can you imagine? You're going to be standing in the very spot that God handed Moses the Ten Commandments that He had written out with God's finger. Going to be standing in the exact spot that God handed the Ten. How awesome is that?" You know, we read Bible stories and we think about it almost like it's fantasy. But it actually really happened. And so Stephen is fixing to go. He's going to be sharing with us about his trip pretty soon. So I'm very, I tried to get him to do it tonight. But he flew in from uh, uh, in real late last night. And uh, he, he's kind of had jet lag all day. So, so he's going to share with us. All right. So let's talk about how to become a new wineskin. When Jesus came to preach and John the Baptist came to preach, the first thing they said was, what? Repent. Thank you. (laughs) Repent. Change your mind. He said, I'm doing a new thing. He was basically saying, I'm doing a new thing. Change the way you think. You're not going to have to uh, offer a lamb every time you sin. You're not going to have to keep the commandments of Moses. You're not going to do anything the same way you used to do it. You're going to do it the new way that I'm going to tell you to do it. It's called the royal law, the law of love, the words of Jesus. And Jesus took those old wineskins and taught them how to become a new wineskin. Well, the old hypocrites and Pharisees said, no, we don't want any part of this. And they all perished. But the people that accepted Jesus and that believed in Jesus, they became the new wineskin. And God poured the new wine into them. And when Peter got up and preached his first message, 3,000 people got saved. Because he was carrying the new wine. The new move of God. The Spirit of God. And that's who we want to be. We want to be those new wineskins. That when the Holy Spirit tells us to get up and talk, we talk. And when the Holy Spirit tells us to sit down and shut up, we sit down and shut up. We walk, move, eat, live in the Holy Spirit. And so I really wasn't planning on talking about repentance again. But when I began to pray about service and pray, the Lord said he's not through talking about repentance. (laughs) That we've got a lot more talking to do about repentance. See, the church world thinks that when you get saved, you just repent and ask Jesus to forgive you. And he comes into your heart and that part's done. But see, that is such a lie. Repentance is something we do every day of our life, the rest of our life. We change our mind. From the things that we think wrong. In in fact, the Bible calls it repentance from dead works. We change our mind and do the right things. And I was talking to a person the day before yesterday. They were talking about this belief they had. And it was crazy. And I said, and, and they were asking me what I thought about it. And I said, well, I've learned that if I don't change what I believe... Every time I read the Bible and get more knowledge, I'm dead and stagnant. 
I change what I believe every time I get more word into me. Every time I get more word into me, I change what I believe. I used to preach women couldn't wear pants or makeup. And then I read my Bible and I changed what I believed. <laughs> Amen. When we were pastoring our first church, I wouldn't even let the lady come clean the church in pants. I was 19. (laughs) But thank God, I know how to repent. I know how to change my mind. (laughs) Uh, Here a while back, uh, one of our Bible school lessons we was teaching in Bible school, I was teaching on the sixth truth, which is resurrection power. And it, I had a dream in the middle of the night, and the Holy Spirit said to me, you're teaching that wrong. But he didn't tell me how I was teaching it wrong. He just told me I was teaching it wrong. So I had to get up and go to the Bible, and I had to research that whole truth and find out what I was teaching that was wrong and correct it. Because, see, if I had not, the Lord wouldn't anoint me anymore because he don't anoint error. He only anoints truth. And so if we're teaching error, there is no anointing on us. And so all of our life, no matter how old we are, we never get to the place that we quit repenting, changing our mind, learning more about God and acting more like God and learning more and acting more. And, you know, if you don't read your Bible every day, then you're very stagnant. You're like the Dead Sea. You know, the Dead Sea... All this water runs down into it, but it don't run out. And so it sits there and stagnates. And it everything, nothing lives in it. Uh, we used to know this guy that uh, we didn't know him. We heard him telling about it. That he uh, lived in Israel. And he uh, what he did was he went around to people's houses. And he would rid their animals of fleas. He would get their dogs and their cats. And what he did was he took them to the dead sea and dipped them down into that water until it killed all the fleas and ticks i thought that was so cool (laughs) didn't cost him anything except his gas there and back i don't know what he charged the people (laughs) but that's what happens if you're not reading your bible every day you're dead and stagnant all you have is water that ran in in the past and it's not running out and it's stagnated Every day we have to go to the Word of God and get fresh, fresh Word, fresh Word. And then we've got to share that Word or we get stagnant. It's fresh Word's got to flow in. In fact, that's what the anointing of a priest is. You know, the Bible says that we are called to be priests and uh, uh, kings and priests. Thank you. Y'all, last Wednesday night... I have to tell you what I... <laughs> last Wednesday morning, I got up at 6. I went to school. I did chapel. I came straight over here to the church. I worked all day long, right up until church time, and walked on the stage and preached, and my mind just shut down. I could not figure in my mind what 7 times 7 was. I kept saying, what, 7 times 7? And Thelma was back there hollering it out, and my mind was so shut down, I couldn't even... I couldn't even figure out what she was telling me. And so when I went home and I went to bed the next morning, I woke up and I thought, oh, my goodness, those people think I'm an idiot. 
I don't even know what seven times 70 is. So I started talking to people about it and they started laughing and saying, yeah, we could tell you didn't know what seven times 70 was. So I want to tell you I do know what seven times 70 is, but I didn't last Wednesday night. So you know what I did today? I went home and I laid down and took a nap before church. <laughs> so I wouldn't make a fool out of myself again. <laughs> But um, now where was I at? How to get off on that? <laughs> so if we're not reading our Bible every day and finding out something new and changing the way we think and repenting, then we're not growing. We're stagnating and we will be an old wineskin in Paris. We've got to always be getting more of the knowledge of God and changing to believe it. And this person I was talking to was very young, and I was sitting there thinking, you know, when I was your age, I believed stuff just that dumb. You know, I didn't tell this person that. But I know they'll come around. If they stay in the Word of God, I know they'll come around. Okay, so we're going to talk about repentance a little bit more tonight, changing our mind. I want to start with Second Timothy. I read this one last week. But uh, I, I want to talk a little more about it. It says, for the servant of the Lord must not strive. No strife. The servant of the Lord. Christians cannot operate in strife. How many of you know somebody who's a drama queen? You avoid them like the plague, don't you? They're always telling stuff on people, stirring stuff up on people. They always know the latest gossip on somebody. You just run from those people. They love to live in the middle of strife, and they love to create that strife. At the school here a few day, a couple of years ago, I didn't get to teach last year because when COVID started, my husband went to the school and said, my wife is not going to teach this year, and he didn't even tell me. I found out I'd been fired from the school. But anyway, before COVID, uh, but I am back at the school now, thank goodness. <laughs> uh, there was this little girl that was just broken hearted, crying her heart out. So I, I, they sent her to the small office. I said, what's wrong? And she said, well, so-and-so was my best friend, and she came to school telling everybody all my secrets. Stuff I told her in confidence, and it embarrassed her. So I called this little girl in, and I said, why would you do something like that? What would possess you to come to school and tell everybody in the class things that this little girl had told you in confidence? I said, I'm not going to let you leave this office until you tell me why you did that. What motivated you? What were you thinking? So she sat there a minute and she said, well, I just think everybody should know everything I know. <laughs> and about all she knows is how to start trouble. So... <laughs> I know adults ten times that bad Because not only do they go out and tell everybody secrets They make up things that aren't true On people And go tell everybody So back to the scripture The servant of the Lord must not strive Not create strife And not get involved in strife Did you know that strife kills the harvest? Strife kills the harvest. And I can't teach on that tonight. I don't have time, but we'll go back and teach on it another time. I'll give you the scriptures that prove it. But uh, because we've got a great harvest coming, 
The devil has all these people that he controls through the spirit of strife, and he has sent them in to stir up all this strife, like that witch stirring that pot. And all we do at school is put out those fires, isn't it, Thelma? We run over here and put out one fire that's one of these witches stirring the pot started. We barely get that and put out. We run over here, another one started a different one. We barely get that one put out. We go over there and another one has started it. But it's not just the kids at school. It's going on in the church just as bad. And so what it is, the devil has sent his agents in here to stop the harvest. But you know what? He's not going to win. If you're a drama queen and you like strife and you start strife, you're going to soon be shown where the door is and tell you to go find the first assembly of strife and go to that church. Because it is not welcome here. <laughs> all right. It said, but he must be gentle unto all people, able to teach patience in meekness. Me and Tara was just talking about this before church. Patiently, meekly teaching people that are not easy to teach. <laughs> and Tara's a good servant of the Lord. She does this. <laughs> In meekness, instructing those who oppose themselves. If, perhaps, God will give them repentance so they can know the truth. See, God will give us a changed mind if we will go to God and repent. Say, God, I changed my mind. I was wrong. I have been fussing and fighting with these people. I've been talking about people. I've been rebellious to my authority. I'm not, I've not been a team player. I don't run with the leader. I do my own thing. Me and the kids the other day were talking about the basketball team, uh, Andy. <laughs> and they said, there's this one boy on the basketball team. You don't dare give him the ball. Because if you do, he's going to shoot. If he's on the center line, he's going to shoot. And he misses every time. They call them fly balls. It just flies by the goal. Don't touch it. That is not a team player. A team player waits until somebody's close to the goal and passes them the ball and they shoot. We got a lot of people that are not team players. And it's all about me. And you know how to know if that's you? How well do you submit to your pastor? How well do you do what he tells you? Do you murmur? Do you complain? Do you argue? Or do you just say, do you remember what the prophet told us when he came here right before COVID? He said, when God tells you to do something, before he tells you what, you say, yes. Yes. Well, if you believe that your pastor hears from God and he tells you to do something and you don't say yes, you argue about it. It's really God you're arguing with. And you're not a team player. You're your own important person on the court. And every time you get the ball, you try to shoot. And you know what happens to those kind of people? They All they do is give the ball to the other team. And they go down to the other end and make two points. And everybody's sitting on the bleachers say, Don't shoot! Don't shoot! And all the kids on the ball team say, Don't give him the ball! <laughs> and the coach don't put him on the court if he don't have to. <laughs> you don't want to be that person. You don't want to be that person. You want to be the one that when the pastor says, we're going to do this, you're the first one to jump up and help do it. You don't want to be that person 
that when the pastor says, we're going to do this and that and the other, and you may not like it or think it's right, but you're going to jump in there and be the hardest worker getting it done. See, we're becoming new wineskins so that the Spirit of God can send a revival to this church that will shake this town. Shake our town. The prophets also prophesied to us before COVID that the, the latter house is going to have more glory than the former house. And that we will go out in a blaze of glory. And those of us that have been here 40 and 50 years fighting for this city, fighting every day for this city, we're going to have to see the greatest move of God that we've ever seen in this city before we leave here. So get on board. Be new wineskins. Become a team player. Walk humbly and submittedly behind your leader. And don't have your own opinion. And your own rights. Well, I have the right. You have the right to find another church if you don't believe your pastor's hearing from God. You have a right to find another church. If you do not believe that your pastor is hearing from God and that you can follow him. All right. So if we will repent and we'll say, God, I'm sorry, I thought wrong. I've spoken wrong. I've done wrong. Then the Bible says God will give us repentance so that we can know the truth. Because if we're thinking wrong, we're deceived. That's what deception is. And the bad thing about being deceived is you don't know you're deceived when you're deceived. You've got to see the fruits of it in your life to know you're deceived. So let me read you this one scripture and then I'm going to quit. This is one I wanted to get to tonight. It said, agree with your enemy quickly while you're in the way with him. Least at any time your enemy will deliver you to the judge. And the judge will deliver you to the officer, and you will be cast into prison. Well, this Greek word, agree, does not have the same meaning that our word agree. Our word agree means say the same thing. This Greek word means be whole, be healed, be healthy. See, if you're whole, somebody can do anything to you, and you're not going to fight with them. You're not going to strive with them. You're not going to argue with them. You're not going to drag them to the judge to make a decision. You're just going to ask them to forgive you. And you're going to walk in love toward them. People that are not whole are always getting their feelings hurt. They're always mad about something. They're always upset about something. They can't take any kind of correction. They cannot be corrected. They can't be instructed. Anytime something comes against them, they either get angry or they get fearful or they get um, defensive. They go out and they gossip. But see, if you're whole and somebody comes against you, you know you didn't do anything to them, You just apologize to them for hurting them. And you pray for them. You don't drag them to court. 
See, Satan can't cast out Satan. And when you feel like you're this great Christian, but you're always into it with somebody, or you always got your feelings hurt, you're always mad, you're always in strife, you're full of Satan and you can't cast out Satan out of another person. You gotta first cast it out of yourself. You gotta cast out the anger. You gotta cast out the strife. You gotta cast out the rebellion that won't let you submit to your authority. I was listening to a preacher from Bethel preach the other day. He was preaching on the Jezebel spirit. And he said, you know, people think the Jezebel spirit refers to women. He said, but I've dealt with more men with the Jezebel spirit than I have women. He said, uh, the Jezebel spirit in a man, you won't follow your pastor. And he said, the purpose of a Jezebel spirit, I never heard this before, is to destroy your ministry. He said, if you allow a Jezebel spirit to operate in you, you cannot ever have a ministry. That is the purpose of a Jezebel to Because every time you rebel against your authority, see, you're that witch stirring that pot. See, rebellion is witchcraft. Then God can't give you a ministry. So you're sabotaging your own ministry, but you're blaming it on your authority that they won't let you do your ministry. Y'all ought to look that up and listen to it. It was so good. It was Bethel's Sermon of the Week last week. And so we've got to become new wineskins. We've got to be healed with our adversaries. People that come against us. And you know what it said about Jesus? It said, Jesus said, I must first suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. Very few people accepted Jesus. Most of the world rejected him. In fact, when he had fed the 5,000 and the 4,000 and they were following him all around, he, he said, he said, you're not following me because you believe in me. You're following me because I gave you free food. He said, he said, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood if you're going to have life. And they said, this is a hard saying. Who could be expected to believe? And they all left him. So Jesus turned to the eleven and said, are you going to leave too? And they said, nobody else has the words of life. So Jesus was rejected by all the religious people. And then he was rejected by everybody following that he had healed and fed. And when he was, they were getting ready to hang him on the cross, the whole city of Jerusalem was hollering, crucify him, crucify him. And he had healed half those people. So Jesus knows a little bit about rejection. But he never reacted in the flesh when somebody rejected him. He never reacted in the flesh when people attacked him, hated him, rejected him. And so it says, For I reckon that the sufferings in this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is going to be revealed. For we are fools for Christ's sake. But when we are wise in Christ, then the world thinks we're weak. But we are strong. Let's see. Even into this present hour, we hunger, we thirst, we're naked, we're beat. We have no certain dwelling place. We labor working with our own hands. But being reviled, we bless people. And being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, and we, we, pray, we pray for them. 
We, we are made the filth of the earth and the offscoring of all things unto this day. But we never return evil for evil. Be whole with your adversary. For unto you it is given on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but to suffer for him. Wow! He gives us this great opportunity to suffer for him. And what do we do? The first person that attacks us, we act just like the devil. If we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. You want to walk in authority in a place of ruling and reigning? Then you learn to suffer when people do you wrong. And you do not retaliate. And everyone that lives a godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. For it is thankworthy if a man, for his conscience toward God, endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it when we are being attacked... If it's because of our faults and our sins, if we take it patiently. But what if we're doing good and we suffer for it and we take it patiently? This is acceptable to God. For this is what we have been called to. Because Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was any guile found in his mouth. And when he was reviled... Attacked, he did not revile again. And when he suffered, he did not threaten. That is the little word that lets you know you're operating under a demonic spirit when you threaten people. (laughs) You don't know how many times this week I wanted to call our city leaders and say, if you vote for that drinking, you will be out of office next term. And Jardel would say, we don't operate our kingdom out of threats. (laughs) He wouldn't let me do it. He wouldn't let me threaten anybody. (laughs) It was hard not to. (laughs) He threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges rightly. And if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are you. That seems like an oxymoron, don't it? People are talking bad about us, attacking us, rebelling against us, refusing to do what we ask them to do. And we're happy. That don't happen very often, does it? Because we're old wineskin. When we become new wineskin, people rebel against us, talk bad about us, be ugly to us. We're happy. That's how we know we're a new wineskin. We don't think that old way anymore. Okay, I could read on and on and on and on. There's so many scriptures on this in the New Testament. We have got to become new wineskins, don't we? We can just see from these few scriptures that we're a long way from being what we need to be for God to pour the new wine into us and shake this city free. God can't use us if we're old wineskins. We've got to change. We have to be different. We've got to get into the Bible and we've got to read those scriptures that are uncomfortable to us. And we've got to change. We've got to repent. We've got to change. Amen? Y'all sure are quiet tonight. I'm not getting as many honks as Donald and Thelma got. (laughs) Father, we just thank you 
for all the great things you did for us this week. Getting us back into this building, bringing the body back together, allowing us to love on each other and enjoy each other and, and, and just be the body of Christ, the family of God. Lord, thank you. It was so wonderful. Your anointing was so great Sunday. People were ministered to. Hearts were changed. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you. And Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus. You said whatever we ask in prayer, believing, we receive. I'm believing. You're going to change us. We repent. We change our mind. We don't want to be the people we were last week and the week before. We want to be new wineskins. We want to do what your word says the way your word says do it. I'm so tired of this strife. I'm so tired of this rebellion. I'm so tired of this gossip. Lord, we want to be a body that flows and walks in love. That we love each other and we follow our leader. Lord, help us get there. You said, call on me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. Show us the great and mighty way to get there. To become that new wineskin. So you can pour the new move of the Spirit into us. And this city and this church will never be the same. Remove the ones who have dug their heels in that they will not change. And send in people who want to keep the truth. Lord, we thank you in your holy name. Amen. I love you guys.